I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Take one. Do you want anything from the shop? Cut it out. Chocolate. It doesn't say anything about a chocolate, does it? No. Hello and welcome once again to the Spool Film Podcast. We've gone dark for the last 12 months, but we're back once again like a renegade master to recap the year 2021 in cinema. As always, I'm Nigel Wheatley and here with me is Pork McGill. Hello. So before we go in depth into our own individual list, probably no point pretending it wasn't a kind of horrible year to be a cinema fan while there was no shortage of new content every week for those of us who enjoyed the structure and social event that is the cinema it wasn't a great year throw in the fact that distribution is getting messier and messier with films ending up on netflix disney and wherever else prime was a big one a couple of my films you can only watch them on prime now and it's the one subscription i don't have and don't really want to get no, because you don't need to send more people into space. Um, and it just gets very messy. What is the water cooler conversation? We had it with a few films, but for the most part, it's become really muddled and really hard to just generally be a fan. Um, anyway, throw in the fact that both of us have been busy, time and energy. It's, a, it's not as easy to stay on top of everything that's coming out. So we are happy to say, as a disclaimer, this is not a thorough review of the year in Irish cinema releases. I don't think anyone can probably claim to do that, even though, you know, the Irish Times and so on mm. will claim but, to have... But kind of haven't gone back through, like, picking the top ten. I'm always kind of like, oh, this was actually a pretty good year for film. Saw a lot of decent films. Like, there's a good, probably in our combined list, 30 films to go and see, if you have the time if or you the have, want. Yeah, and, and nothing... I don't know what your list is, but there's, this is not this is a very accessible list of films. I think from from me, there's nothing that weird or you know. Kooky. No, we're not the New Yorker. We're like fifty percent of their films will never get to see the light of day. Yeah, because they played once, and likewise the sight and sound list was really challenging. So this is a populist uh, film. It's very much a spool state of the nation. We've taken a year to dwell on this, and we're back with this. So I guess for no better way to kick off than with a few films that didn't make the list um i've got a few but do you want to bounce a few titles yeah so when i was kind of going through the list i was like it was that classic thing of towards the start of the year i was like oh yeah there was all those films that technically feel like a year or two years old at this point because of the oscars which were delayed we yeah. should add the the strangely shot steven soderbergh oscars remember them they yeah. feel like a, a millennium ago yeah but uh yeah so it was so april i think a few of those kind of where i was just like oh these are kind of four and five star films, but they don't even register this year. I And I don't want to take other films out of my list. So for me, they were in no particular order. The Father, the Anthony Hopkins kind of, um, I was going to say Parkinson's uh, dementia film. It was really good. Olivia Coleman, a uh, promising young woman um, from Carrie Mulligan. Yes, that was it. Uh, Sound of Metal, which was a fantastic film and terrifying about drummer losing his hearing. Uh, Minari, um, which was fantastic, and uh, Judas and the Black Messiah, which was really good. So those are kind of my films that, well worth watching, uh, but just kind of didn't make my top ten this year. Yeah, and for me, um, I have a, a few here, like, um, starting with, wait for it, some musicals, because I discovered Nigel likes musicals this year. So um, I saw In the Heights, it was one of the first films I saw, the Lin-Manuel uh, Miranda uh uh, musical that he did before Hamilton was adapted and that was in the cinema in the summer then uh, just this month we've had Steven Spielberg's West Side Story which is really good and then Tick Tick Boom which is oh, a yeah. Lin-Manuel Miranda directed uh, musical with Netflix. Andrew Garfield which I saw before 
um, I saw Spider-Man, so it was all like Spider-Men in my head with that. So anyway, musicals. Who knew that that's what I was into? Um, then obviously we had Nomadland. I saw that on New Year's Day. So that won Best Picture. And Chloe Zhao also did The Eternals, which I liked a lot more than most reviews um, and everything. But it is, I believe, the most critically derided Marvel film uh, that has come out. Nobody, the Bob Odenkirk, might be in your list. I don't know it the action film. It just didn't quite make it. I, yeah. I knocked it off for something else to give it a bit, but yeah. I also thoroughly enjoyed that. And the fact he nearly died this year yeah. uh, would suggest that, you know, that's that worth treasuring him. Mm-hmm. Um, last Night in Soho, did you get to see it? Edgar Wright's... Uh, no, I missed that. Yeah, so I lo- would have loved to see this in, in the cinema if I'd seen it. I'm pretty sure it'd be in my top ten, but ended up watching it at home recently. And um, he did it, and the Sparks for this documentary. Yeah, didn't really sell it to me. Yeah, the trailer is a fundamentally different film to what it is. It's more of like a, a horror and a time traveling horror. It's probably some of the elements in it, but. Um, I don't know. It's just so like we know Edgar Wright loves cinema, but this becomes very apparent and just lovely warmth, energy, color and music and everything. And uh, a fantastic kind of thing. A bit like with West Side Story. You're like, yeah, that's the kind of thing to get you back into a giant big screen experience. You already mentioned Judas and the Black Messiah. That's in my maybes I've written down. Feels like I saw this in another life. There you go. Yeah. Um, One of the first at home screeners that was it was legal. Um, One of the companies reached out and you could log on and look at it and yeah and opened it up thing. to kind of the more podcasty blog people that's right um old the m night Sh- uh Shyamalan film missed that, that as well, no yeah. one yeah my brother saw it, thought it was pretty good yeah so i really liked it uh people aging well actually yeah it aging kind of prematurely the... on an island and you really should definitely catch it because he he has continued to be of interest yeah uh, with what he does it is kind of one of the slightly annoying things as cinemas open and close throughout the year you'll find that if a film does get to get a release it'll be in for about a week and then it's gone like yeah. i really wanted to see i don't know if you saw it like i don't know is it called the night or something it looks like a the green night to labyrinth and yeah the, the green Bride. night yeah, yeah. but that it's was in the on, cinema for like a week yeah and i really wanted to see it in the big screen because it yeah. was getting great reviews um That's yeah david amazing. lowry was the director of it yeah and starring dev oh Patel. yeah yeah um, and then the last one on my... I know I've done a very long list. Uh, Spencer, which I just got to see uh, oh, a fortnight right. ago. Any good? Um, yeah, brilliant. Johnny Greenwood does the music for it. And uh, yeah, horrific. Poor poor Lady Di. I don't know if anyone knows the story of, of <clears throat> Diana. It's not like the world is obsessed. But There's a long read in New Yorker. I haven't read it yet. All about how Johnny Greenwood is fast becoming the, the best movie score person. Because he did... Power of the dog, dog and this, and, yeah, and obviously and Paul Thomas Anderson. One? Yeah, did he do licorice lic- pizza, yeah. yeah, licorice pizza. Is that what it's called? Yeah, All it's right. slang for a record. Okay, um, very good. Anyway, that's my. They're the films that I would happily sit down and watch again, and uh, yeah. So, uh, so there you go. There's like 15 films, and we haven't even got into our lists. Yeah, and we will in case anyone's like, I'm sure there's like millions of people listening to this and they're all going along with their notepads we will put these in the notes um what's what's yeah, coming in, in the top 10 and everything so do you want to go first we're yeah, gonna I'll, we're gonna go. do as we typically do go from 10 to 1 i'd say this will be an interesting list for us in that i'd say we won't have seen a lot of because when i was going through this i was like i don't know if nigel saw this don't exactly. know if nigel saw this yeah well no there was this thing on where not everyone got to go to the cinema together all the time you know about that oh right yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so number 10 for me is boys from county hell 
Um, I don't know if I saw this with Colin or got to see it solo, which kind of added to it's either one. If I saw it with Colin or if I saw it by myself, it added to the enjoyment of it. Um, it's by the people who brought us Bad Day for the Cut, which you can watch on Netflix at the moment. Uh, Is this an Irish movie? Yeah, it's directed by Chris Bow, and it's uh, set in Northern Ireland. And it's so Bad Day for the Cut um, was kind of about gangsters and stuff like this, whereas this is kind of more of a horror and it's a, it's a vampire story. Uh, it's really funny. Um, it's really well done. Quick, moves along at a pacey. Has same characters, or sorry, same actors in uh, from Bad Day for the Cut. Nigel O'Neill is in it. Uh, we've got Fra Fee, who people will see in Hawkeye at the moment. Uh, he's in this. And uh, Louisa Harland, who people will know from Dairy Girls. Um, so yeah, really good. You can watch it on YouTube for three ninety nine. So you can write okay. it now. And what's it called again? Uh, Boys from County Hell. Cool. Very good. All right. My 10, number 10 is Pieces of a Woman. So uh, this is, it's on Netflix. Um, and saw it deliberately a few weeks after a childbirth experience that we went through because it's about the death of a child in childbirth. And uh, it was a home birth, went wrong, guilt placed on the midwife and... Vanessa Kirby, who played the mother, was uh, Oscar nominated for it, and yeah, fantastic, f- phenomenal kind of thing. The actual the childbirth thing in particular, it's very like Shia LaBeouf plays the dad, and he's very yeah, and it's all done, you know, time moves kind of really quickly but very slowly, and it's all quite good and received a lot of the praise amongst the the like birthing community. Blah blah. Twenty blah. minute opening scene or something is it or no? Yeah, and sort of one take, well, like all yeah. smoothly kind of thing, and yet it covers probably a few hours, but obviously ending in in tragedy, and then all of this legal thing, and uh, you know how society views people, maybe who have had a loss, and then when you go back to work, and you you know you've all this crap going on so anyway um yeah really good also has sarah snook who plays shiv in succession um oh, in a okay, supporting cool. role playing a, yeah. a different kind of person so that's called pieces of a woman and yeah it's on netflix hard to know what sort of mood you'd want to be in not really a christmas uh, feel-good film but if you're looking for a strong dramatic performance i would dig that one out yeah and um, my number nine is in the earth um it's ben wheatley's film um, it was the first film after stuff reopened. So whenever cinemas reopened, maybe in March or April, um, it was the first one uh, got to see. And I heard him doing an interview where he was saying he wanted it to be a, a welcome back to cinema. And it is a real visual and aural assault on the senses. So it's kind of a pity. Like if you do get to see it, you can watch it. Um, it's on YouTube for four ninety nine. So it's one euro dearer than Boys from County Hell. Um, but get a great sound system or even like Bluetooth it up to your headphones and watch it with headphones. It's it's do you, insane. Do you remember, speaking of Ben Wheatley and distribution, do you remember watching A Field in England about 14 years ago, with, yeah. which had the simultaneous day and day and day release, I think they call it, yeah. where it was in the cinema. They also put it on four Channel 4 television and also Random was there a version of 4OD back in like 2008 yeah. or something? And you could watch it anywhere, and it was. Is it like that kind of slice? Um, it's no, it's so it's set in the modern day. It's about a virus. Uh, another thing Ben was saying when he did oh, cool. the interview, yes, yeah, reading novel. He was cool. like he watched all these films when he was at home, and he, they seemed to be like from a hundred years ago because nobody was wearing a mask, 
And you kind of see that now when you watch films or something. You're like, why is no one wearing a mask? Why is no one sanitizing? So it's not COVID, it's a virus. So there's the whole sanitizing thing. People are getting washed, spread down. It stars Joel Fry. Um, he's the main character and he's like a scientist researcher. Goes to a wooded area, then goes into the woods and kind of... Reese uh, Shearsmith, um, who people will recognize from Inside Number Nine and other Ben Wheatley films, he's this kind of madman in the woods, and then it turns into that kind of classic Ben Wheatley English weird folklore horror thing. Um, but it's it's really really good, and yeah, well worth checking out. Cool. I'm ashamed to say I haven't seen it because I I mean he's a he's a relation cousin. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my number nine is an Irish film as well. Uh called herself um hopefully is it in your list for yeah it's on my list very good okay so um we might talk a bit again you might have a bit more to add or uh, whatever but claire dunn plays a single mother uh sandra who uh, is up against it let's just say like she's trying to get a house and all this stuff about like can't get on the list and then can't do this you can't do that if you're not doing this and you just get stuck in this rut and the system and it's designed to probably keep you in your place as much as anything she decides and she's a bit of good fortune has a little bit saved and then has access to some land and anyway decides to build a house get people to help her so it's a nice um look at that but has a horrific horrible ex-husband or ex-partner can't remember where they married and um yeah just that kind of vindictive I don't know why I mean relate like but yeah, it's sort in, of relatable in a in a local sense and yeah. she was brilliant. She's in Kin, which was the RTE uh, crime series. She also wrote the film when I was doing a bit yeah. of research, which okay. I didn't realize. So yeah, yeah. So uh, definitely a, f- a phenomenal um, performance. I couldn't. I don't think it's online anywhere to watch. Could you uh, see it's it on anywhere? Prime. Oh yeah. Okay. So um, number eight for me is the Nest. I don't know if you saw this. The Nest is on the list oh, further cool. down. Yay, we finally found one. Yeah. Well, um, and herself. Yeah, Yeah. so it's directed by uh, Sean Durkin, who directed Martha, Marcy, Marcy May, Marlene. Marlene. Yeah. Um, Which was an early spool, uh, possibly in, year, in 2012, in the top five yeah. joint So it was films. 10 yeah. years ago that film came out, and he kind of did another short film in between, but this is really kind of a second uh big feature and um yeah it's really good it was kind of one of those films went to see it and wasn't underwhelmed by it but you were kind of watching it being like all right i thought there was maybe going to be more about it but then just ended up talking about it loads after with loads of the scenes from it stuck with me would kind of like to see it again started jude law and uh carrie coon um so sorry jude law they're settled in america she's american he's english in the 80s yeah come back to uh, England uh, he works for the stock market it's all that Thatcher England and uh, making move into this big stately house reminds me of like does have like a play vibe off it maybe like death of a salesman kind of just the like bleak. well he's a spoofer isn't he yeah he like gets caught up full in... of shit like yeah yeah um but no really enjoyable really stuck with me and yeah 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 um so that is on prime as well Excellent. I should have checked Prime for all of it because I just wrote not available. Yeah, so thank yeah. you for improving that. So all of these are actually that then I think everything is available more or less to see, which is good on my list. Um, cool. My next one probably going to be on your list. We saw it together. It's called Pig. Um, so a rare joint group cinema trip uh, on a Friday yeah. night, if I recall. Nicolas Cage is a truffle forager in Oregon. 
um, and uh, his pig is robbed and he has to get his pig back. And I don't really think you want to go into too much more detail on the plot True, because yeah. I didn't know much more yeah. than that. Um, this pro- Then I looked back on the trailer and I realized, oh, you know what his profession was. You know, like, you know, he, his reputation. I don't know. Probably at this point, can you say he's a chef? Oh, Food yeah. is involved yeah. a bit more. Yeah. So you get, at and the time, really none of us would have fine dining or Nicholas restaurant Cage meals. Film. Yeah. Mm. Because you think he's going to explode at different, loads of different times. And you're like, oh, he's going to go Nicolas Cage. And then he just pulls back. And it's one of those films where you're like, oh, Nicolas Cage actually is a really good actor. Yeah, when he's cast properly and directed properly, he is incredibly well able to do stuff. But yeah, for me, I just remember, I was like, oh, I really want to go to like, whatever, Chapter One or some of these like Dublin restaurants and just have that experience where food mm. is presented more as art um, and taste buds and stuff. Because, you know, it came at the time when we'd all been home dining and stuff was it june july i don't know could have been yeah it felt like it was before anyone had eaten a meal inside anyway yeah. so um yeah that's on volta for a fiver i think 4.99 and probably on lots of other platforms but really? support the irish streaming yeah. uh, platform uh, so my number seven is the french dispatch uh, the new as anderson outing um yeah again really liked it it's there's so much going on in it like we'll need to see it a couple of times didn't sit like in the front row when we went to see it, but like a couple of rows back. So it was like perfectly framed. We didn't really have to move your eyes, but it was so well, like there's going on or that's going on. And he's doing loads of this stuff where it's like fake freeze frame where it's like the end of a bad uh, cop movie or like I think uh, lethal, not lethal weapon, the naked gun TV show used to do it where they would pretend they would freeze frame. And the camera would move across them. So he's doing loads of this. And um, is he a messer? I've been thinking about this. I, I have, know. I, I, he's not quite my Paul Thomas Anderson in terms of like a bit of a full on, full on spoofer. Yeah, yeah. No, like, yeah. I don't buy but, into But I do yeah. think Wes Anderson carries so much. Every time a film comes out, like the critical community are just kind of like, oh, okay, we're ready for this. Well, like we people love like, yeah, love him we're or hate sold. him. And yeah. uh, it's based on clearly the New Yorker. And it's like, and it uh, is their top film of the year, isn't it? Which is, uh, no, I don't think it was. Well, it wasn't. It's Richard in their Brody's. list. Okay, yeah, so, yeah. so the, he, he, it's a couple of stories. This isn't a spoiler. I don't think Bill Murray is the editor in it. He plays uh, Arthur Howitz Jr., who set the magazine up. He dies, but like in the first scene, you see that he's dead. So this kind of starts all of the contributors coming back and telling some of their stories. So it's like four stories. Um, it's really good. There's so much going on in it. Adrian Brody is fantastic in it. Um, Timothy Chalamet is hilarious in it. He's so funny because um, he also features in another film in my top 10. But like he's an amazing actor. Um, yeah, it's just it's really, really good. Um, looks visually amazing. It's kind of, I suppose, if you don't like Wes Anderson, you won't like this film. Like it's so much of it, you know. And he's gone into like there's lots of bits of animation in it. Um which is kind of interesting, but I'm like, oh, he seems to, since Isle of Dogs and Fantastic Mr. Fox, he seems to real love or interest in this, so it's, there's bits of it creeping into it. Yeah. Do we know what he's doing next? Uh, no. Or I don't, don't know. Do yeah. Do you? No. 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 Be interesting. Does he, like, I feel like he may have reached peak 
mode. Maybe he'll but just keep he became doing... everyone's darling, kind of with the Grand Budapest. Everyone was just like, "Oh, he can actually do films." Yeah, Oscar nomination. Yeah, sort of stuff. yeah, yeah, very good. Um, and where can we see it? Or can uh, we? YouTube for fourteen ninety nine? But actually, it's still in the cinema. You'd probably catch it in the lighthouse over the Christmas. There'll, there'll be odd screenings of it. Uh, but YouTube for fifteen euro if you don't want to. Very good. Go to okay. The my slight, my first uh, slightly off the ball one, um, King Richard, a film about tennis. Um, so this Will Smith oh. plays Richard Williams, the father of Venus and Serena Williams. Um, I think it's still in the cinema now, um, or certainly has been there for a little while. And yeah, it focuses entirely on the early years of the, of their work together, I suppose, teenage life. Shows America kind of in the 90s. It touches on the kind of racism uh, stuff of their upbringing. It's tipped um, for Oscars, I think, isn't it? For him? Yeah, him in particular is is brilliant. And uh, yeah, like it, it I, I don't know, I'm not really formulating much of a point. It's just very moving in a very American sports movie way. Yeah. Um, so one that um, I'd recommend to anyone who buys into that kind of slightly schmaltzy uh, way of just sort of building up family dynamics and stuff. And the very brave thing they do is it's mostly focused on Venus and it just kind of, it ends when her career actually sort of starts so that's you know okay cool but he's brilliant in it. it's very good and uh, my number six uh you already mentioned is herself and um, so yeah uh, really liked it Um it's available on prime and volta ian lloyd anderson plays gary the kind of uh, horrible husband yeah uh partner and it's directed by philip lloyd yeah really liked it you know kind of had remnants of uh, Rosie from a year or two ago uh, just really solid storytelling and really surprising kind of ending where you're like oh God. yeah and seemed to cut through in a way that most other Irish films didn't this year yeah. that's fair to say mm. in that they it had a big budget mm. kind of campaigns you got to I think see COVID kind of it. screwed it like it cut, should have been out earlier in a bigger audience and um, really solid child actors in it as well, which is always tough to cast. Really good kid actors in it. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, another one that I... This is the only one that I was a bit iffy about whether it does qualify, um, but it is a two-part documentary called uh, The Crime of the Century, and I just need to check. It's an Alex Gibney uh, two-part two-part documentary oh i've seen the first part of it it's about yeah um, but i think there was a feature cut yeah okay it's about the pain killing i suppose an epidemic in america and um i just watched it at home the two parts back to back so i watched it as a feature um and like i don't think a tv series can be two-parter whatever you call it um yeah the opioid and um oxycontin kind of addiction and everything that landed in, in america the roots of it how it has come to pass that whatever it is about, you know, 15% of people in America are on prescription painkiller for pain they didn't even have in the first place. And rather than, you know, where it's almost like the opposite of a wellness culture, they just medicate and medicate and medicate. And then you've got people who can't function without however many pills. Um, there's a lot of people who've gotten incredibly wealthy from it. There's like, it digs in really deep into some of these funders who made millions and how some of them have funded galleries in America. And there's one of them, I'm sorry, I can't remember the name of the family, but they have made billions from all this. I want to say Sackler. Yeah, Sackler. So now there's starting to be this campaign of like, well, maybe is it MoMA or like some of the museums shouldn't have a a wing named after them and they're taking down signs and revoking funding because they realize, oh, this is all corrupt and built on, on, 
and maybe misinformation and stuff. So it just really, I don't know why it um, it really clicked. I think Alex Gibney is amazing anyway. Anything he does, I'll always watch. And yeah, so it's called The Crime of the Century. You'll find it on Now TV and Sky Go and those kind yeah. of things. And obviously now they're doing that TV show Dope Sick, which is on Disney Plus, I think. Which is the same, it's that story, and Michael yeah. Keaton is playing a doctor, kind of. Ah, traumatized. Yeah. yeah, my number five is the only documentary, I think. Um, yeah, it's called King Rocker. Um, you can watch it on Now TV. It's a documentary about Robert Lloyd and the Nightingales. Uh, it's um, Stuart Lee is behind it. Who are they? Who's, who are they? They were an English kind of uh, punk poet band. Um it's it just it was a really good solid documentary kind of all about that and like field you know like what is success and you know where you might think this this is my favorite band in the world why aren't they the biggest band in the world and just kind of that time in england and thatcher and all that and um it's directed by michael cumming it's really good so it's 90 minutes it's on uh now tv you'll be able to see it and a bit i loved about it which was really good, like um, Robert Lloyd. So the kind of they talk to him loads, and he's in it loads. But they kind of subtly say in a, you know, they never come around and have a conversation with him. But they really subtly portray it. And you're like, he clearly has an issue with drink, and where that might have tied into maybe some of the success or something. But like, there's loads of points where you're like, oh Jesus, right? There's you know, and they don't just throw it in your face or like. It's never, it's just kind of there under, and maybe I read too much into it, um, but yeah, I just really, really liked it. Very so. good. King Rocker. Yes. Lovely, yeah. lovely. Um, next up, it might, it probably is further down your list maybe, but Dune. Dune. Yep. I'll just keep saying it. Um, so, I don't know, I thought about this film probably as much as any other, but as much for how it managed to get like teenagers in to see the film. Like it seemed to be because Timothy Chalamet and Zendaya and all these yeah, like, yeah. They just, like, I don't know, it seemed to be a big thing in terms of memes and TikTok. People seem to adopt the film for a while. Like, yeah, it's I saw Anyway, I saw it in Cineworld mm. one evening um, where it was all people who were, like, I don't know, 17, 18, 19. I was like, that's cool. Oh, cool. That Denis Villeneuve's film is attracting a mainstream audience. Didn't see that crowd for Arrival or any of them. So, anyway, um, yeah, I, what struck me was just, it's a pretty weird epic film, more than anything, and like the scale of it and the visuals, brilliant, but I think it's just generally the weirdness of the plot that he managed to to um, condense into something that moves, makes a lot more sense than the yeah, original. it made and, me understand the David Lynch one a bit more, because I haven't read the book. Yeah. Um, it's Frank Hubert's, Herbert's uh, sci-fi epic, and it was seen as before... Star Wars and all this stuff it was written in it's, that's why it seems to have influenced so much kind of from a novel perspective yeah and just again touched on that why you go to a cinema is to see these kind of other worlds presented up there but in this giant giant score scale. is insane yeah yeah like that, just insane but brilliant and the visuals in it are like some of the visuals I'm like oh these are up there with like 2001 yeah so I didn't know it was a two-parter as um, I'm not sure that was well was that well announced did we all know well, that I, and then when, when the film part came out, one came up I was like oh yeah and then I wondered watching it I was like I wonder if they shot both of them and they'll just release the next one in a year but HBO actually hadn't greenlit them for a second one they were like well we'll see how this does and then like the day after it opened they were like yeah you can make the second one Yeah. so god knows when that's coming out because you imagine like Zendaya and Timothy Chalamet have 
films booked in for the next five years or yeah. something. Yeah, so. and she's not in it that much, but it seemed to just kind of click. Anyway, mm. um, there we go. That's my number five. Uh, my number four is Come On, Come On. Um, it's still available in the cinema. It's not in any streaming stuff yet. Um, stars Joaquin Phoenix and Gabby Hoffman and Woody Norman is the kid. So Joaquin Phoenix is uh audio documentarian. Um, is he a podcaster? Yeah, I think it probably a public radio. Like, I don't think anyone... He's, yeah, yeah. We just say he works he's a podcaster. Like NPR or something. Yeah, like. and, they're, and yeah, he would probably yeah. think of himself as a radio documentary maker, yeah. but that is podcast. Yeah. Uh, and Which was great, by the way. It's good to see. Yeah, yeah. I was just like, oh, cool. Do people in America make jobs full-time for that? Yeah. Um, yeah, so he kind of, in a roundabout way, becomes responsible for looking after his nephew, who's played by Woody Norman, uh, um yeah it's really good uh black and white no idea how long it is like I, it was an interesting thing it's where the I, right length it's for yeah, it's, it's in my list for that where i yeah. went into it being like oh, jesus actually i have no idea how long this is this could be three hours or something but you totally get absorbed into the world really love the characters um yeah it's it's just really nice walking phoenix is brilliant as always and it's that kind of like there's lots of different relationships and you kind of think loads about it where you're just like, oh God, I wonder what you do. Like, you know, if don't, you have, yeah, my yeah, don't have children. It. So there's loads of it where you're like, oh God, but, would you do that? But if you that? have or, a parent, if yeah. you have a, a brother, a sibling, mm. if you have a partner, there's all these dynamics where they explore or a, pro, a partner who's having mm. problems or if you, if something went wrong, if you like, you know, mm. with sibling dynamics, mm. losing a parent, mm. you know, issues with children who are kind of maybe a little bit different he's very normal like he's a yeah. little bit he's mm. a cool kid like but yeah. yeah he definitely like you know he talks about um because i want to play the i want to play the orphan yeah i want to you know and you, you don't know, want to play along stuff and we yeah. won't but like the the decision that the mother makes there's a whole question that like what would you do that or like which, is she which decision in allowing uh, well like that to... that results with joaquin kind of having to look at she oh, has yeah. to go away you're kind of like is she being a bit soft there? But then you don't like you don't judge anyone in it. You just kind of question like, oh, what would I do? Or like, yeah, no, and I think it's all well mapped out. Just physically, yeah. uh, Robbie Ryan, physically, not visually. What's the word <laughs> I was looking for? Well, the physical yeah. what's presented. Um, Robbie Ryan, the Irish cinematographer, shot it. It's black and white. Looks amazing. Yeah. Like so, that's always you know that's a nice. Uh, a little star before you even see the film you're just like oh shot by there mm. and then the Aaron and Bryce Dessner from the National did the music so you know that's going to be up to scratch mm. as well um, yeah Mike Mills directed it he, and I was kind of looking back at what he had done and he had done 20 or he did 20th Century Women which I wasn't mad on but also beginners which but I you loved. don't like uh, women yeah. on screen you don't <laughs> think they should be given their own thing whereas this had a man the Joker yeah, yeah, one yeah. of your own yeah. Joaquin Phoenix there yeah, and you were saying you felt he was had very physically gained a bit of weight. Yeah, it's a, it's not a that he's very, in any way overweight or anything. the of the Joker, yeah. though, as, as a lot of people have said. Like, yeah, yeah. He, he did a particular kind of performance there, hmm. won a lot of plaudits there, and this is just a different kind of role. And Again, you know, amazing child actor as well, Woody Norman. He's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's further down my list, shall we say. That's my number four. So your number four? Um, my number four is The Nest. So we already talked oh, about okay, it. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, as you say it's an Amazon Prime yeah just I don't think I'll add anything more to it just um, Carrie Coon who is in Fargo and The Leftovers just should be given more work mm. needs to be I don't know I don't see this in the awards conversation um, yeah I don't know and played in Sundance 
uh, two years ago. So 23 months ago, this film first showed to audiences and finally got out there in the summer and yeah. well worth tracking out. And my number three is Dune. Um, don't really have anything to add to what you said. Uh, you can watch it on YouTube if you want for seventeen ninety nine. Um, but don't do that. See if they have a retrospective in Cineworld in IMAX. I'd say, yeah, I imagine it'll be in the end of year thing and when it like is that in an oscar conversation like it probably like it should be anyway maybe yeah but um yeah no we'll hopefully get to see it on a big screen or when dune part two comes out in 2025 they'll probably put it up there so try to see the double bill um number three for me minari so it won the oscar you've already talked about it i did think of it i don't know because maybe it won the oscar um it stuck with me a bit longer so i know oscar for the best film not in the english language um, that was yeah. one of those well, one of the, one of those films as well. After it, were talked about it loads, where you were just kind of like, would you do that? And like, why did she do? You know, would you not be like jog on or yeah? yeah so it was kind of so lots some of conversations of these, around it. Uh, yeah, I'm not hundred percent sure which bit you're. Talking. I think I know where you're talking about, but yeah, some of the um, just looking at decisions you make to protect family and the emigrant experience and so an american korean story and Stephen yun who um i got to know from being in the walking dead yeah and yeah. he's he's absolutely brilliant in it so i really hope uh he continues to get good work mm-hmm. oh my number two then uh is riders of justice um it's available for 7.99 on youtube did you get to see this no no yeah uh, it's really really good and it is weirdly a christmas not film. yeah i wanted yeah. to and it didn't work so it was because mads was in two films he was in another round another round yeah which, which was, was a very old film yeah, yeah happened to get into the oscars Oscar and then it ended up being in the cinema One the did best you like another film? round um it was okay there's a lot wrong with it did we mostly just did it get a lot of praise because everyone's like look at them dancing and being drunk and not yeah. having a pandemic to deal with like i don't really know i the message of it or a lot of it, yeah. what it's trying to say I enjoyed just, it in the moment as a light hearted yeah. comedy but then people talked about it as a very profound exploration mm. of parenting and the remake with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio would be much better is that what they're doing yeah it's already been greenlit he's going to play cool. Mad's character anyway um, sorry I cut you off Writers of yeah, Justice because yeah, no. I haven't seen it yeah so. um, and it's weirdly a Christmas film Writers of Justice it kicks off at Christmas and I don't know if it's a full year if it takes place over a month um, but Mads Mikkelsen is a uh, He's in the army and his wife and no, just his wife is killed on a train accident. And so he comes back to be with his daughter. He was all doing loads of different tours. So he was never really home. I don't know if it suggests like him and his wife were having trouble or something, but like doesn't have a great relationship with his daughter, but he now has to be at home and on the train. Also a person who was injured is a statistician and who, deals with all this stuff around coincidence and blah 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 and he saw something on the train where he was like oh it wasn't an accident a bomb went off and did this so then it turns into this whole revenge thing with this mad cast of scientist characters who are all his oddball mates or statisticians and have all their own weird back life join up with Mads Mikkelsen to get revenge against the people who placed the bomb on the train it's fantastic it's really really good it's insanely dark at times where there's throwaway lines of the most 
like what did he just say where someone has just admitted to something horrendous from their past yeah so it is yeah. subtitles so you will have to do a bit of reading um no but it's brilliant and yeah really good really dark and rough at times but so funny and brilliant cast of characters yeah my number two come on come on you've talked about it a lot absolutely loved it got to see it in the cinema and um just clicked so then the number one i you have worked out my number one because i just haven't talked about it yet um i don't know i've been so engaged in what yeah, you're talking about so can you give me a re- rundown of your 10 to 1 again super quick or 10 to oh, 2 oh well you go with your 10 to 2 first uh it'll be pro- your number one is evidently something i haven't seen no uh number 10 boys from the county hell number nine in the earth number eight the nest uh number seven the french dispatch number six herself number five can rocker number four come on come on number three dune number two riders of justice okay so i can't work out what we're missing there in the list pig. for the 10 oh you pig should we just talk about it <laughs> yeah sorry okay, no number one number yeah one. it's Brilliant. my number one just loved it uh there's so many like standout scenes in it there's an amazing and was scene. it the first was it the first trip back after a big chunk of cinema's been closed no i, I think, think it was had seen in something. the i think it was in the earth um but there's two you alluded to the fact that he's a, a chef there's an amazing scene in a restaurant where he's talking to someone he used to work with and you're just like that's fantastic then the whole other underlying story which we don't want to get into because of spoilers it's just fantastic and it's a really nice film the i, I made a note um Alex Wolf is in it, who people will recognise. Well, what I recognised him from was Hereditary. He plays the older brother. Um, he's fantastic in it. And I could name other characters, but it kind of spits the spoilers and stuff if we talk about them too much. But brilliant, really floored me when I saw it. So, yeah, really yeah. loved it. No, well, well deserved an applause. Mm. Um, my number one then is... No, what, I, what was your 10? Oh, Do your 10. I want to see if I can guess it. Okay, Pieces of a Woman, Herself, Pig... King Richard, The Crime of the Century, Dune, The Nest, Minari, Come On, Come On. Is it the one I haven't seen that's on Netflix? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Which is very unfortunate. And because you didn't get to see it in the cinema, I think its mm. power will be diminished <laughs> a little bit by you. So it's The Power of the Dog. Um, when I, like midway through, I was like, this is actually the best thing I've seen all year. And then at the end, I was like, yeah, that's definitely the best thing I saw in the cinema. And again, I had the realisation during, I'll introduce it in a second, but just the realisation during it where I realised that a good film is obviously elevated immensely when you see it in the cinema, whereas it makes sense, a film that's kind of average to bad, it becomes really bad and almost unbearable mm. when you're mm. in the cinema and you can't distract yourself by going on the phone or go boil the kettle and leave the film on. So that is just something that stuck with me where you you get that extra like just something back from being in this big room with other people watching it. Mm. Um, and I saw it in the Savoy screen. Have you been in the, the Savoy oh, where they've well, ripped up the screen mm. two, I think it is the one upstairs and divided it into three. So yeah. in this tiny cinema, the night before it went on to Netflix, but got to see it in the cinema there um, with about 11 other people. And so, you know, you're not, t- it, it, but, yeah. but just by seeing it on the big screen, it was very good. My dad so randomly it's... saw it in the cinema and has since, since watched, watched it twice on Netflix. So there you you're go. in good company. So Jane Campion is the director. Um, doesn't direct a lot, but uh, it's a Western. Um, Benedict Cumberbatch is a sort of tough 
mean, domineering, nasty rancher who uh, works on, on the ranch with his brother, uh, who's played by Jesse Plemons, who's a much more gentle soul who you'd connect with yourself, Cork. Lovely. He's red hair. <laughs> uh, so a much kinder, more gentle, nice person like they're so different as brothers but they run their their ranch together then jesse plemons uh character meets um a uh a kind of a, she's sort of a widow um and runs a like a boarding house or whatever um and that's um kirsten dunst but they have a very i guess the best word um sorry kirsten dunst's son is about is a late you know teenager cody smith mcphee who you know, hasn't been in stuff in a long time, was in like the road way, 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 way back. Um, and so, you know, there's something very sensitive and a little bit different about him, but Benedict Cumberbatch just takes it on him to kind of bully uh, the the pair of them when they come into the, um, into his ranch. But then you realize actually there's more going on there with Benedict Cumberbatch. What is, what drives him to be such a dickhead? <laughs> and, you know, he idealizes this, um, this ranch, uh, the boss who kind of who, who mentored him, I think his name is Bronco Bill, um, Bronco, yeah. And uh, you kind of understand. You try to dig in and you work out why, like, because he doesn't wash, he doesn't do anything, he curses, he's mean to everyone, like he's homophobic, he's he's really like almost xenophobic against um, indigenous people in the community and everything like that so like it's just there's so many layers and then all of a sudden there's kind of changes in some of these dynamics and characters start switching sides and flipping and like it just it's got so many layers but it's so slow and that just really clicked with me i know okay, like yeah. what i mean slow in so it's like, not about a dog you can just ponder. no <laughs> you, you just you just ponder everything and just the characters are just built up and the tension grows score by johnny greenwood mm. of radiohead so does it harken to um there will be blood there is visuals that reminded me of it. Yeah, a little bit. The score and has that thing. Just because he, he did does, the score for that. Yeah. Um, and like the kind of plucked strings mm. and... and um, Sounds like uh, Cumberbatch, this Cumberbatch's This would be a solo character. watch for Pork. Yeah, Cumberbatch <laughs> uh, plays the banjo and like that's played creepily. And it's just next level. Five yeah. out of five. My, I think my only five star film. I had a few kind of like... If I throw them out willy nilly. Like Pig yeah. was five for me. Dune and what was my number two? Uh, oh yeah, Riders of Justice—they were all five stars for me. Yeah, I'd probably if I rewatched some of them now with all this in mind. Like, come on, come on, Mike, get a thing. But in the immediate aftermath, uh, yeah. we get that. So that is on Netflix. It's called The Power of the Dog, and um, yeah, yeah, highly recommend it to anyone. We'll put this all in the notes where you can kind of get a list of the stuff and we'll put it on. What do you need whatever. to see before the end of the year? There's still a lot coming out, kind of. The Matrix is coming out. The Matrix? I want to watch Licorice The Green Pizza. Knight. Um, yeah. You didn't have Summer of Soul on your thing, which I thought you might. The documentary. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, yeah, no, I thought it might. I was, was trying to predict what would come into your list. Yeah, so yeah. That was one that I thought you'd have. You and didn't have a Marvel film. You didn't have Eternals. There you go. Or Spider-Man didn't get in either. And mm. we had the fan... Um, Black Widow. F9, Black Widow. There was plenty there. None of them, not a good year. In fact, I'm going to put it out there. Thematically, a terrible year for blockbusters. <gasps> I Fail. saw Kong vs. Godzilla recently. Dune. Loved it. Yeah, Kong vs. Godzilla. Okay, <laughs> fair enough. It just yeah. maybe because Black it's Widow usually the... 
yeah, it's usually the contrast to like a general structure of but what there, there is, is a, out and you yeah. see three independent films and once a month you might see a blockbuster but it's but just, there is a real gone. end to that marvel iteration where like so it, it's going to be another couple of years before they start building stuff up and eternals is not going to be the future of it no well that, that so that was the thing and i should have mentioned that like benedict cumberbatch i saw that and then a week later he's all over sorry i saw power of the dog and then like a week later spider-man um, is there and he's kind of front and centre in it and Doctor Strange is there and he has his movie next year but mostly you're like I don't know it's not clicking as much they seem to be more interested because we're not allowed to talk about TV but WandaVision was probably one of the best TV shows of the year for me but, yeah WandaVision was great yeah and Loki was brilliant yeah so maybe that's where the future of all this goes and Hawkeye is really good anyway we have to wrap it up there um, it won't be a year until our next podcast we'll get into more of a rhythm yeah now. no it's just challenging to work that out uh, what to do but yeah we used to do one of these pretty much every 10 days two weeks and here we are <laughs> here we are now so anyway thanks very much for listening to this anyone who has made it to the end um, Pork don't be we're still in studio sorry I'm rattling I'm gone yeah you've already, I've, I've my key in the ignition you've I'm got gone. key in the ignition <laughs> got the coat on mask on and all that and yeah we'll see you in 2022 thanks Pork Happy thanks Christmas, Nigel everyone. bye I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship take one do you want anything from the shop Call it out chocolate it doesn't say anything about a chocolate does it